uh, thanks for taking a little bit of a chance there to, for the random breakout rooms. I know there's a little bit, a little bit of stress involved as to who am I going to end up with or what am I going to say? And so, uh, but it's always, it's always cool just to be able to do that and get a little bit of, uh, extra fellowship with someone that we might not actually, uh, fellowship with as quite as much. And so, um, so anyhow, if we can go ahead and get out our Bibles and, uh, we're going to get into the word here a little bit before we, uh, uh, enjoy communion together. And, uh, of course, communion is a time where we remember Jesus. We remember the last supper and, and the covenant, the new covenant that was made in his, in his blood. And, uh, he, you know, he talked about that at the last supper. He took the wine. He said, this, let this represent my blood, took the bread, said, let this represent my body. And so it's a celebration that we take part in, uh, individually and as a community every single week. And it's basically just to remind our own hearts of the we get to's, not that we have to's, but we get to's. We get to follow him. We get to walk in his footsteps. We get to uh, be blessed by his, his love for us and his guidance and his wisdom. And so, um, and so we're going to jump into the, into the scriptures here a little bit this morning, just to, just to kind of guide our, some of our thoughts in our communion this morning. And uh, so uh, my lesson this morning is entitled, Goodness gracious. Goodness gracious. And I had a little bit of a title slide that I sent over to Peter. I, I don't know if you could put that up there, Peter. Goodness gracious, living the good life. We're talking about, you know, that's, that's kind of our theme this year. And we are all one of a kind. <clears throat> and, um, and we get to part, we get to, you know, enjoy God's goodness. And his graciousness to us. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit this morning, but let's pray. And then uh, let's go ahead and get into our Bibles and let God bridge our souls. Let's pray. Father, thank you so, so much for this time together. Father, we just pray that you would lead us, that you would guide us, uh, Father, in this time together in your word. Father, help our very souls to be encouraged and to be enlightened, Father, and to be lifted as we look at what you have to say and um, if we gain strength from it. Lead us by your spirit. Lead us by your, your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So if we can be turning over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the good shepherd, that we get to live the good life, you know, as we follow the good shepherd. Um, <clears throat> we talked last week about getting a fresh start and how, you know, uh, in Christ, we get a chance to have a fresh start every single day. And that's such an incredible thing. We don't have to worry about the past. We can learn from the past. And we can be blessed by the past, but we can also move on and get a fresh start as we, as we, as we really connect with God's ways and God's word. Um, you know, in 2021, we're going to be focusing a lot on the good and focusing a lot on the grace. And, uh, and so that's what goodness, gracious is all about. I don't know if you, if you say that. Do you know somebody who says that, uh, says that, uh, expression? Goodness gracious. <laughs> I think I remember my grandmom saying that. And I, every now and then I catch myself saying it. It's usually kind of an exclamation of kind of shock or inspiration or surprise. It's like, goodness gracious. And, um, and I think that's kind of how we feel, you know, as we, as we get more in touch with who God is and what he's trying to do in our lives. And we get more in touch with the good. Sue and I were talking with, uh, uh, 
some of the gang here the other day about that song, Tell Me Something Good. I'm not sure it's the greatest song, but we said, hey, does anybody know who sang that song? And actually, Pat Slater knew. I don't know how he knew. I think he Googled it right there on the spot. But it's Rufus and Shaka Khan. So anyhow, but I think we need that. We need, we need, we need to be telling each other something good. And we need to go back to the scriptures and, and say, hey, God, tell me something good. Because we need it to thrive and we need it for our heart, soul, mind and strength. So we're going to be talking about living the good life. And that is God's dream for us is to live the good life. You know, you just look back in Genesis and, uh, and you see what God's original intention was for human beings. God wants to bring us back to that, that garden party, that good life that he was setting up in the garden. And, and the good life is where our needs are met. God promised us to meet our basic needs, you know, where we have meaningful relationships and meaningful work, where we have wisdom to guide us and to help us, where we have freedom. God said, you're free to work any tree in, in any tree in the garden. You know, we, we, we get to walk with God where there's no fear where there's no insecurity, where we're deeply loved, where we're resting in his grace. And that's the good life. That's the good life. You know, I never forget as a kid, there's four kids in my family. I grew up in North Jersey. So Cheryl, I grew up in Sussex County, which is sort of the farmlands in New Jersey. And uh, people don't believe me when I say I'm, I'm from the farmlands in New Jersey. Like there's no, there's no farmlands there. <laughs> But anyhow, I grew up with four kids. I got great parents and it's such, been such a blessing. And I, I, I never forget just going different places with my mom and dad, the four of us, the six of us together. And I just felt so proud. I felt so proud because my dad is a strong person. He's a humble person. I felt protected by him. He, I, I felt a special love from him towards me. And it was such a blessing in my life. And, and I know that, you know, I, that's been awesome for me. I know that God though is, is thousands of times more than that. You know, it says in Psalm 62, it talks about how God, we can trust God in times of trouble and how there's two things I know about God. He's strong and he's loving. And we get this incredible opportunity to be a part of his posse, to be a part of his family, to be a part of his gang. And there's, there's protection there. There's strength there. There's safety there. There's, there's provision there. And we get to look to him and, and be proud, you know, of the, of the God that we, that we get to, to be with. And like I said earlier, you know, it's, it's crazy because we've been in like this grand experiment of humanity to see if human's way works. And in so many situations, we see that it, it doesn't work and it isn't leading us to a good place. But we see over and over that God's way works. And as we follow in the way that he created us to live and the way that he designed for us to live, we find ourselves flourishing. We find ourselves growing. We find ourselves overcoming, which is powerful. And it's a glory to God. But, you know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, in verse 16, we read this passage uh, last last week. It says in verse 16, it says, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You know, God was reconciling us. 
And that's the incredible message of the New Testament, of the New Covenant, is that we don't have to worry about any barrier but be, being between us and God. God's paid all of our debt. He paid off all of our stuff. He's totally forgiven us. And there's this continual forgiveness with God. So we don't have to worry about that. Literally, we can go to God, the King, at any time of day or night, and we can talk to him. We can walk with him. We can know him. We can gain strength from his love. And it's because of what Jesus did for us in living and dying and rising from the dead on our behalf. You know, it says here we regard no one from a worldly point of view. You know, our view of God has been so corrupted by all of the unfaithful examples of power and authority around us. And so we see powers and authorities among men, among inhumanity falling short. And it, and it corrupts our idea of, of, of who God is and who God is the ultimate authority is. Can we trust him? Can we follow him? Can we really, can we really entrust our lives to him? You know, first Samuel eight, which is a passage we studied a, a couple of months ago, it talks about how people wanted a worldly king. And, and God said, you know, I'll give you a worldly king, but you know, your king is going to take from you and he's going to make these promises, but in the end he will take. And and, and he, he talked about how he'll take in this area. He'll take in this area. He'll take in this area because humans by our nature, we're insecure. We're selfish. And especially when we're not getting filled up by God, we look to each other and we end up, uh, you know, taking advantage of one another, but God's not that way. God is a God who gives says God loved us so much that he gave us even his son so that we don't have to perish. And, uh, and so with God, we're, we're, we are, you know, we're living to the beat of a different drummer, you know, with God, it's like, they think the dancer crazy. You can't hear the music, right? We're dancing and maybe the people don't get it around us because they can't hear the music. Guys, we are on a different channel. We're on a whole different frequency, oftentimes in the people around us. And that frequency is called this, the gospel. It's called the good news. Look over in Luke chapter two, Luke chapter two. You know, the good news is totally different from the fake news that's all around us. The good news is totally different. It's a totally different channel than the nightly news that we can tend to uh, be be gripped by. You know, in Luke chapter 2, it was incredible because when Jesus was being born, the angels came and didn't speak of revenge, didn't speak of getting back to us, getting back at us. They spoke of a blessing. And it's amazing because it's such good news of great joy. And in verse 8, it says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And probably the, the, you know, the shepherds right there said, goodness gracious, goodness gracious. Verse 11, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. 
Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. I love, you know, this, this, this tagline of the angels. Good news of great joy for all people. Good news of great joy for all people. And boy, do we need good news. It's tough to live under sort of the yoke of bad news and fake news. And so it's so nutritious and healthy and wholesome to start to focus on the good news and on the good that God has has for us. And I love this verse. It says, "And, and peace to men and women, peace to humanity on whom his favor rests. I'd like for all of us just to take a deep breath for a second. God wants so badly for his favor to rest on our lives. God, you know, has done so much to express his love for us, but he wants his favor to rest here with us. He wants his peace to rest here with us. And that's where it comes down to our choice is we can either be kind of like Matthew 6 says and like the people just running crazily after everything. Or we can be like Ecclesiastes talks about and live our life chasing the wind, chasing our tail. Or we can find rest, true soul rest with God and with Jesus who rose from the dead. He talks about it in Matthew 11. He says, come to me, all you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. From gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, growing up in, in North Jersey, we used to have, a, we used to have chickens. And every now and then we'd, uh, we'd actually, you know, uh, kill some of the chickens to eat. And so there was the day, you know, when we had to, you know, um, chop off the chicken's head. And I hope this isn't too gruesome, but, it said, you know, I, I was always amazed because we'd, uh, we, we, of course, we'd gather the eggs. We, we love the chickens for their eggs. But then, um, there would come the day where the chickens were running around with their head off. And it's, and it's a slogan. It's a saying, but it's true. You know, there's this, this, this nervous life that's still in the chicken, even if it doesn't have its head and it runs around, blood spurting everywhere. It's running around. Um, like a chicken with its head cut off. You know, that's the way so many people are choosing to live. That's no way to live. It's no way we have to live. We can live lives where the favor of God is resting in our life, where the favor of God is real to us. And that's what the New Testament is. It's teaching us that that the keys to this good life aren't what the world is touting. The keys to this good life are things like faith and hope and love. The keys to the good life is having a healthy heart, a healthy spirit, <clears throat> a healthy mind, a healthy body, where, where God is interested in our whole life, in our whole self. He's not just interested in one part of us. He's interested and is able to speak to every part of us, 
So we don't have to run around like chickens with our head cut off. We can live productive, strong, fruitful, thriving lives full of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness. Look over in Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4 expresses this so, so simply and so profoundly. Hebrews 4 really is a, is a book that's trying to help us with our faith. Uh, because, because it's easy to get religious, isn't it? It's easy to kind of just go through the rules and go through the steps and kind of show up for the meetings. And all along we can be dying in our faith if we're not careful. And so the book of Hebrews really teaches us to, to, to not let go of our faith. Um, even as we get older in the Lord or get older in kind of our, our experiences with, with following God. And so it's really meant to, to spur us on in our faith. And, uh, because here's the thing is that we'll, we'll look here in verse, in chapter four, verse one, it says, therefore, since the promise of entering his rest, and we just read about that, you know, and peace to those on whom his favor rests. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the gospel preached to us, the good news, just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. So, guys, here's the key. The good news is not just information. The good news is not just up here. It's not just words on a page. It's just not information for us to process. The good news has to be combined with faith. You know, the word for faith and trust and belief, the, the root word is, is pistis, and it's, and it's the same for each one. It's, it's putting our faith in. It's trusting in. It's believing in. And it's crazy because belief, I don't know why this is, but belief actually activates the power of God in our favor. And that's what he's talking about in Luke chapter 2. On whom his favor rests, our believing in God and trusting in him and trusting in his ways enables the favor of God and the power of God to rest in our lives. But it's our choice to believe. It's our choice to put our faith in. Let me ask you, what do you put your faith in? Because really you can tell a lot about your inner life by what you put your faith in. What we put our faith in is really an expression of how we're doing on the inside. And so if we put our faith in God, who never changes, who is eternal, if we put our faith in Jesus, who is trustworthy, who even faced death and overcame, there's a strength there. There's a favor there. There's an esteem there. There's a love there. That's powerful. It's like nothing else. You know, I really want to encourage us to go back and study some passages on belief. Because there's all sorts of blessings that are attached with us believing in God and, and, and applying the information and, and connecting it with faith and trust in God to actually practice it and to go for it. You know, one of my favorite verses is in John chapter six and verse 29. It says, they asked him, well, what is the work that God requires? The people are asking Jesus that. What does God want us to do? What's this work that he, that he wants us to do? What are these rules that he wants us to follow? And Jesus said, the work of God is this, to believe, to believe in the one that he has sent, to trust in him. He'll get us there to trust in the good shepherd. He'll get us there. 
where we want to go, where we need to go, but it's our choice. It's not about activity. It's not about performance. It's not about how we usually think about work. The work of God is this, to trust, to believe, to have faith. And that's why walking with God is so important. That's why building that connection and building that relationship with God is so important. But it's our choice. Who and what will we believe? Who and what will we trust? Because when we make the tree good, the fruit is good. The impact is good. But it all comes down to who are we going to trust? And Jesus says, don't be afraid. Don't give in to the fear. Just believe. Mark chapter 5, verse 36. 36. Here's my encouragement. Don't let the thief steal your belief. Don't let the thief steal your belief. Jesus said the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come so that you're going to have life and have it to the full so you can live the good life. Too often we let, we literally let the thief steal our belief. It's kind of like, it's kind of like Adam and Eve in the garden. When the serpent came to Eve and he said to her, did God really say? And he started down this path. Now, here's the question. Why in the world, when God had provided so much for Adam and Eve, he'd provide them all those things I mentioned a little bit earlier. Why in the world would Eve and Adam follow a serpent and not God? When God was had totally proven how much he was in it for them, for their abundance and for their life. And it's a good question for us. Why do we follow the serpents? Why do we follow the serpents? When they question God, did God really say, I think sometimes we've got to step back and go, wait a minute, that's the thief talking right there. That's the serpent talking right there. And the serpent could be talking through the world and the fake news that's out there. It could be talking to, through our emotions. And sometimes we just got to go, no, that's my emotions talking. That's not real. Sometimes it can be talking through negativity. We just got to go, we just got to kind of put a little label on it and say, no, that's just negativity talking. That's just the servant. That's the thief trying to steal my belief. And we got to go back to God and say, no, God really did say this. And that's when we get into the scriptures. That's when we encourage one another. That's when we pray and we draw close to God to hear his words of encouragement. You know, sometimes it comes through pessimism or through past hurts or through fear and anxiety. That's just the thief trying to take away your belief. Let's decide to trust God. Hebrews chapter four, and this is going to be our final verse as we prepare for communion. It says, uh, Hebrews chapter four, starting in verse 14. Now listen to this. This is incredible. And this is kind of the whole New Testament message, the new covenant message kind of wrapped up into a few, into a few sentences. And it says, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith because otherwise it kind of goes away. It kind of slips out of our hands. Let's hold firmly to it. Let's wrap our arms around it. Let's, let's grab it and let's, and let's, 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 let's anchor it in our hearts. Let's hold firmly to the faith we profess for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Jesus empathizes with our struggle. He went through a struggle himself. 
and he shows us the way to overcome. He says, you know, he says, in this life, you're going to have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world and I'm going to show you how to do that. I'm going to show you how to have that kind of, how to have that kind of victory. But he's also saying that he sympathizes with us, with our weakness. He's not looking down on us. He's not saying, oh yeah, you, you guys over there. He's saying, no, us, let's do this together. He sympathizes with us, with us. He cries for us. He longs for us. And he has been, and he knows what he's talking about. He's been through it. Verse 16, let us then approach the throne of God, of grace with confidence. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we, we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And all we can say to that is goodness gracious. <laughs> wow. We get to approach the throne of grace. You know, this was, this is a powerful image because to get an audience with the king, you know, when there's kings around, it's almost impossible. Think of a celebrity you'd like to talk to or think of someone who is quote unquote in power. It's difficult to get an audience, but with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, we can have an audience and we can be confident. We can go before the King and say, Hey, I'm your kid. And goodness gracious, I get to talk to you and you get to approach your throne of grace with confidence. And then what do we find there that we receive mercy? Wow. Do we need mercy and grace? You know, mercy is kind of not receiving what we deserve. And grace is receiving what we don't deserve. <laughs> and so we find both. We find mercy and we find grace with almighty God. There's a story back in the, the J, John F. Kennedy days when JFK was in this important meeting with these, uh, with these heads of state from around the world and John John came in. And, uh, he came into, I, I guess it was the Oval Office and he was playing under the, uh, under the resolute desk as uh, JFK was having this, this high level meeting. And I think that's kind of how it is with us and God is we get to have that special relationship with him that we can be so confident in and we can feel so much esteem from because his favor is resting on us. We are his favorite. We become his favorite and we live loved. You know, what an incredible thing that we get to approach God's throne of grace with confidence because of what Jesus has done for us even this morning. And as we remember Jesus through his, through the, 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 the bread that we eat, which represents his body and the juice that we drink, which represents his blood, let's, let's have a smile on our face and let's have a special sense of, wow, I'm God's favorite. I get to enter, I get to enter uh, approach the throne of grace with confidence because I got my brother who loves me. He's not ashamed of me, who sympathizes with me, who knows what I'm going through. And he's like, Hey, let's go together. Let's talk to God. And so let's take advantage of that this morning and let's have that goodness, gracious kind of spirit because of God's goodness and because of God's grace. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time of communion. Thank you, God, that we can approach you with confidence Anytime, day or night, in any situation, you sympathize with us. You love us. You listen to us. You empathize with us. You are with us, heart and soul. And uh, we can find the wisdom and strength that we need, the grace and the mercy that we need every minute of the day. Father, thank you for this special time to remember that. We thank you especially for Jesus, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen.